Yeah. It is Wednesday, September 14th. You are watching Market Call. That's MKT Call. I'm Dan Nathan. I am joined today by Carter Braxton Worth of Worth Charting. You know him. You love him. Nothing slick, just charts. That's what we call it there. In just a few minutes, we're going to be joined by Tom Sosnoff. He's the founder and CEO of Tasty Trade. Today's episode is brought to you by FactSet, financial data and analytics powered by Tomorrow and Tasty Trade, empowering the individual investor through content, technology, and know-how. And of course, we are powered by Open Exchange. So thanks to them. Carter, how are you? But you're all knotted up. You yeah, and Guy a lot did a market of, uh, call on Monday. Back to school meetings and things, which is happening, but it's well, all Well, I mean, what like like the, the suits, the pandemic's over, suits are back out. Is that, is that what's I mean, going on here, buddy? I mean, here in the city are booming. It's shoulder to shoulder, elbow to elbow. Yep. It really is, actually. It, yep. it is It is ready to go. I was out in California yesterday, and I was there last week, and, and it really does feel like, you know, the pandemic is over, which is one of the, like, the confounding things when we, as market participants, we think about, you know, I was out at a conference, there was a lot of investors there, and, you know, a lot of people are bearish, right? And we know that sentiment is pervasive, and especially, like, the longer you're on Wall Street, the smarter you think you are, right, when you can make a really good bear argument. But I guess a lot of the times I'm thinking about what could go right here you know like carter do you spend some time thinking about that on the macro level what could go right like all of our inputs are telling us lower in the markets the economy is weakening i'm just curious are you spending some time stress testing your bearish view well a lot of things can go right but i mean i think the main thing is look for starters independent of this moment or any moment markets are built to go up right if you step back and think there are more babies every year more gillette razors more oreo cookies consumed markets go up 71 percent of the time in any given year, any given day. And so, okay, there's the case right there. One could also say, we've already had the bear. NASDAQ 100 down 35%, S&P down 25%. What do you want? A lot of stocks down 80 and 90, Zoom, Peloton, and so forth and so on. From Chinese stocks to internet stocks to biotech. And so the case we made, it's all done. Now, there are lots of people who take a completely different approach. I'm in that camp and also any number of reasons why you know, it doesn't have to go. But I think the thing is this, you know, in school, the, the way you get those bubble tests, A, B, C, D, the approach is supposed to be, you're supposed to eliminate the one that's obviously wrong. Yeah. And then you try to figure out, I know D is wrong. God, is it A, is it B, a C really looks. And so here's the thing, it can only do three things. Let's just be very frank and everyone knows this. It goes up, it goes down, or it goes sideways. I think the approach here to, is to figure, can we eliminate one of the scenarios? And I think a big up is eliminated. And so that leaves us with a sideways grinding, maybe to the end of the year, maybe all of 2023 scenario, or it gets worse. But what is the scenario that all of a sudden we go meaningfully higher? And just to remember, we all know this, there's only two ways an aggregate of stocks goes higher. You have to have earnings growth or multiple expansion or some combination of the two. Now, what about the current environment? Margins where they are, commodity inflation, rent inflation, labor inflation. What about the current environment would suggest that margins are going to go higher, profitability is higher, and therefore we should expand the PE? I mean, it just doesn't, it doesn't pass. Well, all right. So just to push back there a little bit. So if rates were to come in, then the further along we are in this economic malaise, then the more you're going to end up paying for growth names, right? And that would be PE expansion. The other thing that, that is interesting, and a friend of ours who's been on our podcast with a guy and me, and he's Danny Moses' old partner, Vinny Daniel, he was saying that, you know, if there was a coup 
in Russia. And I know that seems like a very low delta sort of situation there, but think about that or think about some sort of like, you know, big peace agreement or at least like a ceasefire. You probably have, you know, four or 500 points higher in the S&P 500 in two days or something like that. You agree with that? It's funny. It's so hard to know. I'll give you the most extreme example. All my life I've asked people. So here's the question of questions. Yeah. Warren Buffett dies right now. Does the stock go up or down? Do you know that people answer, half the people are like, wow, down 10, down 12%. Other people are like, you crazy? Surges. They're going to break this thing up. They're going to they're gonna get feed. So yeah. here's the question. Really? Maybe? Maybe? And what about if you get a worse son of a bitch than Putin? <laughs> I mean, the truth is, nobody knows the answer to that. Yeah. No, I, I'm with you. But I just, the, the knee jerk, I think what you're pointing to is, what is the consensus on what the knee jerk would be? And so, again, you know, if, if it's not something that I think is purely, like, you could really you know, figure out what, what that means for the European economy, what it means for oil flows to Europe, what it means for stimulus efforts to get Europe back going, you know, what does it mean for China and how they think about possibly invading what, you know, Taiwan claims to be a sovereign, you're right, like state, that sort of thing. So again, you know what, maybe it's all above our pay grade, but I think it's worth thinking about and having those scenarios up because the one thing I know in my 25 years into the business, it was those tape bombs that you thought you knew, you know what I mean? You're comfortable with the ones for whatever reason, they just kind of rip your face off or they go the other way here. Let's talk a little bit about what happened yesterday in the stock market. And obviously it was much more than just what happened in the stock market with the dollar surging, with the two years surging, with, you know, commodities doing what they were, you know, but yesterday, you know, down 5% in the NASDAQ, you know, down 4%, a little more in the S&P 500. We don't get too many days like that when we are not in a crisis period. What, what was your take taking a step back after you looked at a lot of the charts that make up the major indices? Well, there are two things, right? It's the, how the day ends, but also the trajectory, the path traveled. First, uh, the latter. The day ended badly, right? Yeah. Three stocks up in the, in the S&P 500 and overwhelming. Two, not just a 2% down or 3% down, really, you know, 4 plus percent for the, the major. And then the trajectory. It opened up hard and never bounced. Yeah. I mean, a little bit, but it never could get up off the mat. And so that is wholesale selling. It's not just... Oh, let me reduce it. That's like saying, let me just really cut back my exposure. Let me get some money out of the market. And so hard to, I mean, you, you can see in the charts, not bouncing well today at all. At one point we were negative. I just, it's not a great, it's not a great setup for, I think, anything other than sideways or down. But oh, oh yeah. look, here's an S&P chart. Well, put some lines on it. You know, take them away, put them back, toggle. I mean, the thing about this is that it, the thing about this, it's so beautiful in the sense that they're not my lines. I mean, the lines just fit the way they fit. It's that when you present this, you know, I had a presentation to the U.S. Treasury Department, and I've got a second one coming up. When you present this to the Federal Reserve Bank or you present it to the CFA side or the MBAs at, at Harvard, they can't stand it because they're yeah. like, wait a minute, I, don't, I shouldn't study my cues and case. Sometimes it's all technical. And yeah. really, you think the market bounced yesterday where it did or today because of the PE or price of sales or dividend discount model or enterprise value EBITDA? No chance. It's all technical. Yeah. And where is well, it? It's down in the trend line. Does it bounce? I don't think so. Some people think it, it will. I think it breaks. It's interesting. So it's the first time in a few weeks that I did not have puts or put spreads in, a, in, in an index ETF. And part of it was because if you look at that, where it was in that little pennant formation, and I think you talked about it last week on market call when it was kind of rallying a little bit, it's like it's in no man's land at that point, right? Like mm-hmm. from a purely technical standpoint, and I had no reason to believe with that CPA print and the consensus really was coming around. It was going to be a bit cooler and then maybe gave the Fed a little cover to kind of just do whatever they're going to do 50 or 75 
next week and then kind of take a step back. And that's why I thought maybe you get to that lower, you know, bound or, or that lower end of the downtrend, but it didn't happen. And that really kind of pissed me off because I started a few weeks ago with the SPY, then I moved to the QQQ. And then finally I moved to the IWM, the Russell 2000. And that one was the only loser of the three. And I really wanted to get back in the QQQ. I think there's going to be some pretty disappointing Q3 results and in, in Q4 guide downs. And I also think now with that CPI print and the market's reaction to it, if you're a CEO, you're not going to pull forward. Guy and I were talking about this yesterday on Market Call. You're not going to pull forward anything from Q4 to make Q3. You might as well just kind of report what you have and kitchen sink the thing. Hey, I wanted to ask you about this because, you know, I've seen a lot of charts like this on Twitter from, you know, people who are traders or investors or strategists or whatever, where they overlay these analogs. Like, you know, so look at this from a guy named Michael J. Kramer. And you look at 2008 in the S&P 500 overlaid to 2022 here and you see this here what do these charts mean to you i mean they don't mean anything to me i always find them interesting because people wouldn't post it if it didn't line up really well and maybe it's just random just want to get your thoughts because i don't ever see you really do this yeah so i spent a lot of time on this at one point because they're so seductive you stare at that you're like my god i've got i've got the future i've got the crystal ball this tells us exactly and yet i've had uh, endless quants in the past that have worked on my team and many have done overlays over and over and over. They never quite, cause it, it it's, what, what is it? It's, it's, we're all hoping for the answer and it's so beautifully aligned. You think I've got this all dead to yeah. rights. I can, I can make a fortune. They never quite do play out. And then sometimes when you get behind the chart, it turns out they've shifted one forward by 30 days or it's got yeah. a divisor in it that, that, that is manipulating. The history rhymes, but it doesn't repeat, which is one of the great phrases, of course. And so this would imply that it's going to not only rhyme, but it's a perfect lock as to what's going to happen. And the one thing we know is when it's guaranteed, it's not guaranteed. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, just, I would say I, it's guaranteed. I wanted to get your take on it. I mean, again, I think a lot of us, you know, a guy and myself, I mean, I think we, we, we test that kind of 3,400 level, but again, you know, if you look at that chart and you see how much further there is to go down from the 2008 levels, okay, fine. Maybe it matches up, but it has nothing to do with like this representing anything that reminds us of 2008, very different time. All right. Last one here, because we got to get to Tom Saznoff from Tasty Trade here. This was a tweet from Jurian Timmer. He is the, I think the head strategist and economist at Fidel. And he said, if a 14 times forward multiple is the correct valuation, then a simple math would tell you that the fair value for the S&P 500 is 3200 3400 at an EPS of $230. That suggests that the bear market is not yet over. Now, interesting, $230, some people still think is probably high for 2022. So you put a 14 time multiple on something lower than that, you get uh, obviously lower than the range in which he did. So you chart every once in a while things like you know kind of trailing you know valuation metrics and stuff like that i wanted to pull up the vix here okay the cboe volatility index because it seems like you know when markets are moving around lots of investors who don't really usually think about the vix start or at least instructed to look at it because people on tv or on twitter or whatever are talking about it do you chart the vix and is it important to you carter and, and you know knowing what the underlying is and the, you know what it represents that sort of thing because you know we have this 
this one year chart, you see that kind of series of, of higher lows. You did see it broke that trend a little bit, and now it's bouncing a little bit. But given the fact that we had a down four and a half day in the S&P 500, and yeah, that was a big move in the VIX, but we didn't see some crazy spike outside of the range. I'm just curious, do you think about the technicals as it relates to an index like that? Yeah, I mean, we send out stuff all the time to we're charting members and to all the institutional clients that are working with us. I mean, if you were to look at the, the downtrend from the June sort of peak to the low of August, you draw a perfect trend line, then it gapped up out of that downtrend, and it's been basically ticking higher ever since. The general rules of the road apply for all charts, and to some extent, a mean reverting instrument, which is what this is, which rather than a trending instrument, right, Enron trended all the way to zero, United Healthcare has been an uptrend since it opened for business. Point being that different rules to some extent, but the general rules apply to all charts. All right, listen, our main man, Tom Sosnoff, is here. He is with us. Carter, you're going to take a powder. You're going to come back in a little bit. You're going to kind of tune up some charts. We're going to have a couple trade ideas when you come back. So we'll see you in a few minutes here. Thank you very much. Tom Sosnoff, how are you, sir? Hello, Mr. Nathan. All good, man. All right, listen, like taking a step back here, because now like our listeners and our viewers have gotten to know you a little bit over the last couple of months. And, and okay. you know, the way that you talk about trading, the way that you talk about markets, when you have a day like yesterday where, you know, like you have that sort of headline that comes out pre-opening, right? And you see the S&Ps drop more than 2% in a straight line and open that way and then double up those losses and close horribly into the close. Like, you know, that's got to be like, you got to be like a kid in a candy store on a day like that. Well, I would like to tell you that starting last Friday and then through Sunday night, we started to get pretty short because we were bearish, but the market kept going up, you know, obviously. And, and yesterday morning was up, you know, pre-market. So when they finally sold off right after the number came out about, let's say 30 handles or so, I mean, they were up 30. So they sold off 60, went from up 30 to down 30. When they sold off 60 handles, I bought in a bunch of stuff down 30. Now, later on, I went to, you know, chop off my finger because of that. But uh, so just to be really careful, so, so are, are clear for some of our viewers, when you say you bought in, you were bearish, you were positioned short, and yes. you were covering yeah. some of your shorts yeah. down 30 points in the s and Yeah, some short futures. Then they were down 50. This is all pre-market. This is yep. before we actually opened. Then we were down 50 and covered some more. So it took off about a third of our shorts, almost third to half of our shorts pre-market. Because, you know, very rarely do you get uh 80-point reversal pre-market especially on some number, they usually just have, you know, they get ugly for a few seconds, they bounce back, whatever. I think that over the course of the rest of the day, I traded a ton yesterday, but mostly defending existing short premium positions. Because remember, I'm a premium seller. Yep, yep. So days when the VIX is up 15%, premium sellers get hurt. So net-net on the day, we came in short and covered some stuff way too early, covered some stuff later. That was okay delta-wise, but but premium-wise was a tough day for us. So we lost. I lost money yesterday, even yeah. though I was short. But that's the life of a premium seller. And again, to be very clear for some of our viewers, and I think that they've gotten familiar with your style in a way, you said to us over the last few weeks that you have been leaning short directionally, but yeah. you always have a short volatility bias, which means that you want to be selling options, selling premium to take it in because you're basically selling the ability or the, the, like the probability that we're going to have a blowout involved for a sustained period of time. And, and so again, I think those are really important concepts. for. I, I built... I build all our businesses, Dan, around 
the fear is overpriced essentially underlying foundation for everything we do is and when i say it's overpriced it's not theoretically overpriced it's just it's mathematically overpriced so it has a mean reverting quality to it Mm -hmm. and that's essentially you know how we trade i personally like days like yesterday and even this morning for putting on new positions because you know, you're sitting at very high levels of vol. It's there's a lot of nervousness out there and, and nervousness creates opportunity. So I like that. I'm definitely not getting long here, but we haven't added to shorts today. I don't like them in general, but I am a little nervous about triple witching tomorrow afternoon because September triple witching has a tendency to be super strong on the close. I'm not talking about what happens during the day. And I actually don't like that. I was hoping they'd be down today so that you'd maybe get a late rally or something like that. I don't really like the tape action that much today. But tomorrow afternoon, from Thursday to Friday on SEP triple witching, tends to be the strongest quarter. You know, that tends to be the strongest quarterly triple witching of the year. Mm -hmm. So I don't like to be short going into that. After Friday morning, I think you can probably, you know, play the downside a little bit. But I don't think they got too much room to go. I think 3,900 is going to be pretty nice level to maybe, you know, nibble a little bit and anywhere close to 3,800. So I don't like the risk reward right now to the downside. I loved it two days ago. I don't love it here. You know, when Carter and I were just talking about this, I mean, you just don't see too many down 5% days where they basically open at the high and close on the low, right? And double up the losses over the course of the day. And so to me, you know, and and I get 100% what you were saying is like, you get a reversal of 2.5% pre-marketing on a headline and you come in short, like, how do you not take that, right? Because on how many times out of of 10, they rally back on change and you're like, wait, what was I playing for? I was playing for a down 5% day. Those never happen. Right. So that was like the kind of the right thing to do. But uh, I guess my point is, is that, you know, we've used this expression and a lot of people do that the sell off this year for the better part of the year, maybe mid June, early June got a little nasty, but it's been very orderly, you know, and we haven't had too many days like we had yesterday. So I kind of seem to think that. Listen, I I feel very confident that we're going to retest those June lows, primarily for fundamental reasons, valuation reasons, what we're going to see as far as Q4 guidance as it relates to stocks, a continued very weak globe. You know, we were just talking about, okay, so if there was some big ceasefire like like in in Europe, and maybe that comes with some sort of like, you know, agreement with like, you know, Nat Gas to Europe, you know. Like that's a two two hundred fifty point move in the S and P like that probably right like you know overnight is my guess so I, I get I, it I, I, I don't think so I don't really? think so you're talking about two hundred fifty point up move based on a, no I don't I don't mean in one false swoop like they got a couple yeah. of days or something like you know thing. it's tough because I would think that playing war markets I'll tell you a funny story I think you'll like yeah. this I'm gonna go back to I don't remember the year but we were trading in the S and P one hundred pit and one of the kids that was clerking behind me got a job for CNN and got sent over. It was desert storm and he got sent over. Basically he was cameraman Mm -hmm. and he having trouble making it in Chicago. So he got a job with CNN. They said, first thing they did was about three months after he started, sent him over. He was basically on the front lines filming the first desert storm was the first war that was basically on television. If you're, you know, remember the night before they basically started firing, he called into all his buddies in the in the OEX pit and he said, I got it from great sources. We're going live tonight. This war is starting tonight. We're starting fire, everything else. Yeah. We fell over each other trying to buy puts. Like we basically yeah. jumped on top of each other trying to buy puts, sell futures, do whatever we could do. 
because we were so convinced that if war started tonight, it was basically televised war, that the next morning we're opening down limit. If you remember, that night he was right and war broke out. And the next morning we opened up limit. Yeah. And so, like, I don't think any of this is when you start to think about efficient markets and you go through the whole efficient market hypothesis and you start to just work that through. You know, I'm a random freak and I believe in efficient markets and I don't see how anybody that's watching anything right now could for one second think that it, all that's not built into what we're seeing every yeah. single day. Well, it's interesting that, that 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 story is fascinating and it's not too different than, you know, the stock market had made a low in October of 2002. And, and if you recall, we we're about to go to war again in Iraq. Sure. And, you know, there was a lot of bearishness into the into March of 2003. We never made a new low, but we did rally as soon as tanks started rolling into Baghdad, if you remember that. And we yeah. never really looked back. And, and I think that's a great point to make. All right, Tom, I want to hit you on one other thing. So this morning you were talking that you have a covered call position in the ARC Innovation ETF. Is that correct that you, when you were talking this morning yeah, on Tasty yeah, Trade here? Yeah, and just yeah. for our viewers a little bit, that would be long the ETF and short and out of the money call. So you're basically directionally you know, leaning long, but you're also short vol in the name. So again, you know, this thing was one of the hardest hit ETFs, if you will, yesterday. We know what's in it. Tesla's the largest holder, but there's a lot of other stuff that's down 70, 80%. Talk to us a little bit about, about the thought process there because Kathy Wood was out buying yesterday. I saw a headline that she was buying a lot of Zoom. She was buying a lot of Roku. Thought process okay, there. Okay, so, so and, I, don't, I don't believe in fundamental or technical analysis. So my, my whole approach to to trading has nothing to do with what Kathy Wood's thinking or Kathy yep. Wood's doing. I couldn't care less. All I know is that vol in there was really high. I was short a bunch of 45 puts. This is going back a couple of months. I decided to, rather than roll those forward, I just took delivery of the stock. Stocks continue to go down, but I've been selling calls. Calls in their trade, there's super high skew in there because yep. of the stock she's long. There's a ton of call skew in ARKK. So I've been selling calls against my long stock. Basically, you know, we call that kind of like a wheel strategy. You're naked short puts, you take delivery, and then you sell calls against it, and you just keep rolling the calls. So we've wor worked our cost basis now down to probably 39, 38. So, you know, on the stock, it's trading, yeah. whatever, just over 40. So I'm just holding the stock and continuing to take advantage of the high volume there. You know, like, I feel like in that particular stock, it's trades like an ETF and you're getting paid, you know, I can tell you exactly right now, I, I want to say... ARKK. Hold on one second. Let me just give you this exact number. Yeah, you're getting paid in the front month in there, 65% front month implied volatility. So for me, that stock's been staying in a really narrow range, paying you know 65% of $40 or almost, let's call it you know $25 a year in premium on a $40 stock. It's insane. So I'm just taking the premium in there and just using that. And I don't, I couldn't care less about Kathy Woods or Kathy Woods stock yeah. or anything like that. You know, there's just a huge number, a huge amount of premium being paid on that stock because of the call skew. Yeah. And, and just real quickly, let's throw up Zoom because we just mentioned it here. So when you say call skew, it just means really what people are willing to pay for the calls versus the puts and the, the relative expense of them. And, and you're saying exactly. That, and and the, the expense of the calls, which is an unusual thing, is people are usually more willing to pay up for put premium is giving you that opportunity to. I mean, it is a fascinating. Listen, these are not strategies for everyone. Listen to Tasty Trade, listen to, to Bats sure. and, and Tom, and they explain it every morning how they're doing it, that sort of stuff. But if you're systematic about it and you understand the risk, 
this. And just the Zoom is an interesting one because, again, you don't care about fundamentals or technicals, but I love your strategies. And I'm thinking about this. I look at the Zoom. I'm long the stock here. Look at the range that this has been in here from about 80 up to about, you know, 120 or so. And you say to yourself, you see that descending, you know, 200 day moving average. And if you were long the stock here, why wouldn't you sell an out of the money call and take in some of that premium? And again, this is the name in that sort of thing. You know, for me, I'd have to want to be long the stock, but also understand how to trade the options against it and take advantage of that high out of the money implied vault. So I actually agree with you. I actually am long Zoom. We are short on balance. We're long Delta through short puts and some far out of the money calls. And I completely agree with you. I mean, of the stocks out there that carry high volatility that have some, Zoom doesn't really have a lot of skew to it. Mm -hmm. But at these levels here, you'll notice the puts in Zoom actually trade relatively cheap because the stock is, you know, considered to be on its butt or close, you know, close to that. There's a few stocks like Zoom. I, it it kind of reminds me of the way DocuSign was trading last week before the earnings yep. came out. So we're leaning a little bit long in Zoom as well. There are stocks like that that we feel like they're just down to price extreme with really high volatility. So they're interesting high probability option trades because you can sell out of the money, put premium in, and receive a, a reasonable amount of money for them. Yep. All right. Well, listen, Tom, I appreciate it. We appreciate you explaining some of this stuff to us. If you guys want more of Tom's insight, he does it every day on Tasty Trade. So go to tastytrade.com and also follow Tasty Trade at Tasty Trade on Twitter. So Tom Saznov, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks, Dan. See you, bud. I'll talk to you next week. All right. Carter Braxton Worth. Here is a man who cares very much about technicals, but does not care about fundamentals. So I just, I just went 10 minutes with you, a guy who only cares about technicals, not fundamentals. I just went 10 minutes with Tom who cares nothing about fundamentals or technicals, but has more expertise when it comes to trading options and futures. And then me, I'm just kind of this guy in the middle who's just kind of like, well, am I just a squirrel looking for an acorn here, trying to put it all together? Well, I mean, you think of it, the beauty of it is that, right, there's many ways to get to heaven. And look, think about this. <laughs> I am having started as a fundamental analyst, right? I spend more time with Q's and K's than I think a lot of people will in their whole lifetime. And I pivoted because I thought there was more wisdom in the study of price action than there was yeah. in the study of the company because they sometimes don't have anything to do with one another. And yet, think about it. Why would a fundamental-only portfolio manager in a major mutual fund, hedge fund, pension plan, family and office, big sovereign wealth funds, all of whom I talk to, not all of them, but our clients in all of those kind of places, because they're, they're open-minded. They're like, you know what? You look for expertise from other people and try to synthesize it. And to some extent, that's what you're doing, right? You're seeing the wisdom around you and your own wisdom saying, hey, I think I can present something. I can learn. I can prosper. We can all uh, win by taking different skill sets. And it's why when you're sitting there deciding, I don't know, how should we push back against the Russians when you're on the Ukrainian front? You think that one guy make the decision? Yeah, no. Different inputs. Probably that's why Russia's losing because just Putin is putting the inputs in. That's actually a really good point. All right, let's yeah. do this. We, we got, we're going over here. We, we said we were putting 30 minutes on the clock, but we got a bunch of stuff to do. So I'm going to try to do it in five minutes. You got five minutes for me, Carter? Sure do. All right, let's do this really quickly here. So we've been talking about crude oil a lot over the last few months here. And this one, again, you know, last week, I think you said it's kind of contending with that level here. And it's an important level, but it's finding some footing here, right? Now it's about 90 bucks, right about that breakout level from very early this year in late January. It was also the high last November here. We see that steep downtrend, but we're kind of holding above those kind of levels here. And one of the points I just want to make is, and we don't need you to go through crude again, 
I just want to pull up the XLE, the Energy Select ETF. We know that Exxon, Chevron, and Schlumberger make up, what, nearly 50% of that. And you see that relative strength. You know, I'm just going to overlay one versus the other here. What does this tell you, the fact that crude has kept on going lower? It's time to find some ground here a little bit. But I think you said it to me earlier when we were talking about this chart. The XLE never broke that uptrend that's been in place for the last couple of months here. And when you see this sort of divergence between a commodity and underlying stocks, what does it tell you? Right. So one thing about, and I, you know, we've done endless times, I have comparative lines. You, you do your start date another two months earlier or later, and all of a sudden the whole thing breaks down. But yeah. often, and you found an overlay that makes a good optical point, there is a divergence here, which begs the question, the energy shares are holding up so much better than underlying commodity. What if the commodity starts to go up? Yeah. There's your answer. There's a reason energy, a big outperformer today and over the last week. I like XLE a lot. Energy, the commodity at 130 was adored. We're going to 200. Yeah. Now it was hated just a week ago. Yeah. You got to go the opposite way when people are really convinced of a directional move. Yeah. So looking at this XLE chart, Carter, you know, here we are. I mean, do you think, you know, crude were to go back to 100? Is this thing breaking out and, and going back to, I mean, towards you know, it's, in your a, it's a ways to go, some work to be done to get yeah. to the lower highs, but it has all the things we want for going higher. And yes, it wouldn't hurt if oil does start moving back towards 100. At the end of the day, though, you can look over what Aram, Saudi Aramco's cost of a barrel is, what Exxon's cost of a yeah. barrel is, and you have oil here in the high 80s, low 90s, high 90s, these companies are just massive cash flow generators. Yep. All right. Let, let's talk about one. And I think this has kind of caught some people by surprise a little bit. Look at this Starbucks here. We had that guidance. It was better than expected. Stock have a very good day today up about, what, 5 6% or so here. Talk to us a little bit about the technical setup. Because, again, I know that you don't care about the fundamentals. You would say, in this instance, the technicals were leading the fundamentals. They were probably telling you, right, that there was kind of there's been people building, you know, a position after, let's say, a period of relative under performance. So talk to me about Starbucks and how you're thinking about some of the other restaurant stocks. Sure. So restaurants act very, very well, both to the market and to consumer discretionary overall. But that two panel chart is a very important story, right? We know that the moving average, the smoothing magazine, the 150 day moving average has transitioned from being in a downtrend to now flattening the definition of a bearish to bullish reversal. So we have extreme bearishness, 128 down to 70. Then it starts to turn, but the real tell is the relative strength. So you know that makes that low in May before the S&P makes a low and almost revisits that low in June. But look at the bottom panel. That's relative strength or ratio line to the S&P. It never looked back. And then even most recently, you see how Starbucks dips back towards its 150 million average where that bottom blue line continues to torque higher. That is the definition of something you want to be in. All right. Well, I like that. So if you're going to bring in the CMG, the Chipotle looks very similar. And I mean, like, so you want to be in this space. You think that there is kind of more to go here. Wing, Texas Roadhouse, DRI. I mean, yeah. yum, China. But look at this one. So what do we see? We see that, first of all, there's a gap up on the top yeah. panel. You don't get gaps without news. So was it bad news or good news? It had to be good news, even if it was a miss, because it gapped up, right? And then... After overshooting the 150 day, does it dip back? It does. But what happens while it's dipping? The relative strength line is still going up. 
So of yeah. all the factors, there's thousands of them that have ever been studied by the, the Ray Dialios and the Jim Simons and the big quad, relative strength and momentum are as powerful as anything out there. It All right. So let's, let's talk really quickly, just because again, you know, the Starbucks got me interested when I saw your work this morning and then thinking back to Lulu a couple weeks ago, there, there's some high end consumer discretionary stuff and not that $6 lattes are so high end, but you, uh-huh. you get it. You, you build a habit and you do that every day. You're spending more at Starbucks and you're spending at Lulu on an annualized basis there. Right. And that is a, yeah. a discretionary thing. I, it got me thinking about Nike a little bit. And, and this one is not showing great relative strength here, but it's a stock that Carter, I kind of want to buy very near those July lows at 100 bucks here. I just threw up a one-year chart. I drew a couple lines. I have your 150-day, which is declining. Thoughts here on this one, and then when you back it out, uh, you know, multiple years, you realize that that $100 level, which we're not so far off, is really important. How does this one look to you? And for me, I want to buy it for a whole host of like fundamental reasons. How do the technicals line up there? They're not great. First of all, we know that group moves are some of the best. If solar stocks are moving, right? Or semis are declining. Look at Puma, look at Adidas, look, look at, well, Crocs is actually pretty good, but Madden shoes, there's, it's, the area is impaired. And Nike, its relative strength of market is poor. I, I guess I would be slow to commit capital. Okay. All right. Well, listen, I'm going to keep you abreast. And you know what? Maybe someday in a market call, <clears throat> when we have this stock down near that 100, I'll kind of lay out a trade in which I might you know, use to express a bullish view in the options market there. Well, listen, man, I appreciate you sticking around. We miss Guy Adami. He is in Sicily. He's going to be there for a bit, but we are going to have a lot of fun. We really appreciate you doing some heavy lifting on Mondays and Wednesdays with me, Carter. So thanks for being here, bud. And thanks to Tom Sosnoff from Tasty Trade for for joining us here and thanks obviously to our sponsors facts at tasty trade and open exchange and tomorrow carter you better tune in because we have a very special guest on market call we know her as k fine she is on the cnbc's fast money with me she's going to be doing market call with me tomorrow that's karen feinerman from cnbc fast money so tune in check it out carter thanks so much and thanks to all you guys for tuning in today we'll see you soon bye